Thank you, Jenny. Wasn't that a beautiful song? Oof. Good morning. How are we doing today? Well, we'll be going on vacation, effective tomorrow. We're going to get up at 3 a.m. Do you want me to wake anybody, you know? Uh, Dean, oh, yeah, of course. And uh, pray for us. We need your prayers. And uh, I would like to mention that, as usual, Mike and Ginny will be here to help. Please give them the support they need. And, uh, of course, their open heart is always to help for here for you to help. So... With that, we need your prayers. I will be enjoying sunshine. I'll be in my shorts. <laughs> and uh, ready. So, and of course, I'll be praying for you every day. Every day, as usual. I will not change that. So, with that, let's read a few words from the Old Testament, the Book of Kings. Book of Kings. Uh, let me give you a little uh, chapter 17, 18. I'm speaking about uh, Elijah. I'm taking a little portion. Elijah is one of the greatest prophets that the Lord has given us in the Holy Bible. And uh, I thought of tackling a subject today because I see it all over, all over our nation and the world. The subject of discouragement and how to overcome it. Over, or if you want a subject, overcoming discouragement. You like that? Do we get discouraged sometimes? Yes. Yes. There's a... I put it all together. I, uh, In order to redeem the time, uh, overcoming failure with perseverance. It's the story about a man that the Bible says when he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality. And he had to work to help support them. At age nine, his mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education was not good enough. You're going to guess who's that one. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a small store. At 26, his business partner died, leaving him a huge debt that took years to repay. Wouldn't you be discouraged with that? At 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him. She said no. At 37, on his third try, he was elected to Congress. But two years later, he failed to be Reelected. 
At 41, his 40-year-old son died. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he failed as the vice president, presidential candidate. At 49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. At 51, he was elected president of the United States. His name was Abraham Lincoln. A man many consider the greatest leader the country ever had. Did he give in to this thing that we call uh, failure, discouragement? No, not at all. And here's a story in front of us of a man of God. In chapter 17, 1 King, you don't have to turn. I want to give you, uh, because we're not going to read it for the sake of time. He showed out of nowhere on the scene. And the Bible says he was a settler of Gilead. And the Lord told him, just hide yourself now. He had, he hid himself until a certain time, and the Lord told him, I want you to go. There's an evil king with his wife in, in uh, Israel. I want you to go, you to go and talk to him. He went, because he's a man of God. He's a prophet. And he never, the king's name was Ahab. His wife's name is Jezebel. See, I'm, I'm giving you a very, very, uh, good, uh, resume, short resume. And she was an evil queen. And they had around them 450, 450 prophets who worship Baal, who worship other gods, which is the devil. And Elijah had a problem with that. And he had a problem with Ahab. Even Ahab named him, gave him a name. If you want to see in verse, in chapter 18 and verse 17, Ahab called Elijah, you are the troubler of Israel. You're troubled. You know, sometimes we see, we, we, we joke with someone, he is troubled. But this one, he called him. He said, you're the trouble. You are trouble, Elijah. All you give me is bad news. And you know what Elijah said, even though he was a king? You know what his answer was? Verse 18. I'm not a troubler, but you are trouble. He was a courageous prophet. And he said, I want you to come, I want to show you something that, who is God? And those 450 prophets that you have, they mean nothing. I want to show you, bring them and bring the whole nation and meet me at Mount Carmel. And you know, most of you, what happened at Mount Carmel? When God honored Elijah, his prophet, and he brought fire from heaven that 
that completely ate and finished all the sacrifice that Elijah made. And as for the sacrifice of the prophets of Baal, it was not even touched because they had no God to answer them. And after that, he was a courageous prophet. He told he told the people, he says, the nation, go catch the 450 people. And he took them and slew them one by one. And who heard about it? The woman, Jezebel. Because these were her supporters. They would profit what she wanted to hear. And aren't there so many people today? They want, they want, I want to hear something that I, I, I love to hear. I don't want to hear anything that goes against my lifestyle or what I'm doing. Hmm. She said one word. And Elijah heard about this word. She said, in within 24 hours, Elijah is going to have the fate exactly of these 450 that he slew. He's going to die. I'm going to kill him. And suddenly Elijah, when he heard it, Fear gripped him. That's the man of God who did such great miracles. Fear gripped him and he ran away. That's our subject today. He ran away discouraged. Can discouragement penetrate the heart of Christians? Yes, no? Yes. Do we go through Times when we realize, I say, we are a failure. Yes. Today, look at what we have around us today. And according, I put that together, according to the latest statistics, our society has depression, gloom, pessimism, Despair and discouragement. And the statistics say these put together, they slay 10 human beings to every one murdered by typhoid, influenza, diabetes, or pneumonia. Falling in the trap or discouragement is destroying many homes today. Look around you. Look around the scene we have. Is there any time you watch TV, take the newspaper, hear on the radio while you are driving? Of every day, bad news. Every morning, bad news. Look at the families. Today we have a problem with 
young people in our land. We have a problem. And we should acknowledge it. And these young people are in complete disarray. They're confused. They're running out of control. Why? Because the families, the family, fathers and mothers, parents, are not abiding by God's rules. They look for answers, these young people and many others, to their many questions, and they find none. They seek drugs to cope, and drugs has destroyed them. Counselors are running out of solutions as they realize nothing is working. Disappointment and discouragement are driving the new generation. And mind you, it is a big, a big thing that's been even discussed and be, drew the attention of the president. And they are running toward opioid and suicide with no help inside. Discouragement is all around us. Christians, and I say, do not let it come through the cracks and take you by a surprise. Though sometimes we do get this. In the midst of this scene, and when we are facing a discouraging situation, we should remember that we are not alone. There's a great power with us, greater than any doctor, any psychiatrist, or any power under the sun. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that. One of great men said, not so much what life brings to us in her hands, as what we bring to life in our spirits makes the difference. When we face challenge and difficulties and various problems in life, are we being drowned and discouraged? Or we can ride them by the grace of God and continue the Christian journey. Uh, you say, now back to our prophet. He got discouraged. He got fearful. And this is part of life. Fear is part of life. Discouragement is all around us. And Satan, when we start, when discouragement start seeping into your life, you know what happens, Satan? Satan overemphasizes any subject or any problem that you are facing. He makes it bigger all the time. All the time. And we often fall into the trap. And instead of taking the matter to the Lord, we try to find the solutions ourselves. Isn't that true? Elijah. 
Look what happened to him. He heard a few words. Few words. And she said, I am going to show him what's going to happen to him within 24 hours. He heard these words. Boom. Mount Carmel, the victories over the Mount Carmel were dissipated. Everything was gone. And what happened to him? The evil queen's words were there. And she said, I'm going to take his life away. And he forgot the whole nation were standing with him. And the whole nation was on the verge of a great revival. And they helped him to slay all these prophets. A revival was at hand. And the people were crying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And where is our man, Elijah, in the midst of that? We notice in 1 Kings, in chapter 19, read it, it's a long chapter. A most astonishing change happened to Elijah at that time. We see a man who stood recently on Mount Carmel, victorious. He flees in fear from the face of one evil woman. He panicked. He ran away. For how long? For a day's journey. And I hear that he walked over 100 miles south, south, so no one can catch him. No one. So, what's her name? Jezebel will not catch him. And then, finally, after he got so tired and depressed, he found a juniper tree and sat under a juniper tree. You know what I call the juniper tree? Yum-yum tree. I don't know why. Don't ask me. And he cried to God. This is the man of God. He cried to God. It is enough. O Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my father's. What a sad situation. Let's think a while about our lives. Let us think this scenario a little bit. You are having a great relationship. You are at the height of your career. You have a wonderful family. You have a great job. Everything is going so smoothly. And you own your home and you're paying your mortgage and your relationship with others is great. Then something happened. Then something happened. The enemy attacks either your ministry at church and you never calculated that or perhaps an unkindly critic or someone lied on your behalf or maybe a jealous worker or maybe a Jezebel-like person or words you have heard and an unkindly critic 
and you wandered out in the wilderness of disappointment. And like Elijah, you go and hide under the yum yum tree. Under the juniper tree. And in self-pity you said, I quit. I'm fed up. I can't take it anymore. Nobody seems to care. You get so discouraged and you say, why did this happen to me? Why me? Have you been there? Have you been there? And in this frame of mind, Satan visits you. Remember. And when you're tired, when, when you're not even reading your word and sitting so discouraged, drained completely, and walking aimlessly, despair is there. Lord, truly I'm not appreciated. Hmm? Where did you get that one? No one loves me. Where did you get that one? We're going to that. And you're over, you know, Satan. Satan start giving overreaction. Overactive imagination starts working. Am I relating? Am I relating to some people? Okay. All right. Okay. Good. No one likes me and everyone is against me. Wait a minute for one, one second. And he said, everyone is against me. Check chapter 19, verse 10. And they want to take my life. Elijah, who are they? How many people sent you a word that they are going to take your life? Only one. Suddenly it's they. Suddenly it's many people. It's only Jezebel. He didn't hear from anyone else. Ahab was scared. Ahab is nothing. The king. He couldn't do anything. In his presence he slew them all. But they. Remember dear brothers and sisters. That's what the devil does to our mind. That's what he does. He wants us to think that we are in the dumps and there's no one to help us and the whole world is against us. To add to your trial, Satan gets his magnifying glass and he hands it over to you. And the situation gets bigger and uglier. Your sense of failure becomes overwhelming. And you sink further down. Well, question. Have we forgotten the victories in our lives? Stop for a second. Stop and think at this moment. Have we forgotten the victories? What happened to your memory of the many difficult situations and trials you have overcome through God Almighty? 
What happened? Why am I sitting like Elijah under this tree? Why am I in self-pity? Why I am thinking this way? And he starts playing with your mind. He, Satan. And you start reflecting on your life. He starts reminding you. Remember that. He starts of those deficiency and failures that you have in your life. And they start. You knew about them. You got rid of them. The past is gone. But they were unimportant in your life. Suddenly he brings thoughts and things and puts them as something very important in your life. Just to disturb you and remind you and discourage you. In the midst of this, I don't want to leave you there, but think about it. In the midst of this, the Lord interfered. He has, he has the Lord. And whatever your case is today, whatever your disappointment of any kind, it's from the outside or from within, whatever this disappointment, there is a God who is watching over you. A man stopped, a little story, a man stopped to watch a local ball game between two young teams. As he walked toward the bleachers to sit down, he grabbed one of the players and asked him, what's the score? The player said, we are behind 18 to nothing. And he was just proud. He looked he said, I must say, you don't look discouraged at all. Discouraged, the player said, young guy, with a puzzled look. Why should we be discouraged? We haven't had our turn yet. <laughs> we haven't had our turn yet. Church. Regardless of the score, we haven't had our turn yet. Remember, young David, from behind the sheep, the army of the Philistines were there, facing him as and Goliath, Goliath was the giant, is there. The whole nation was scared. And at that moment, I would love to say and to think what David thought. I haven't had my turn yet. Don't be discouraged, David. I haven't had my turn yet. I did not go to bat yet. And the angry mob at the cross, the angry mob, Pilate, 
crucified the Lord. The soldiers were mocking. And they went and took him and sealed the tomb where he was buried. But God knew, as if to say, I have not had my turn yet. What happened afterwards is the greatest victory that the world has known. Jesus arose from the dead. Discouragement is not, is not for us, folks. Giving in to discouragement is not for you, believer. They might come. It might hit you. But you haven't had your turn yet. God will do it. That church is ready to go and bat. And like others, we have placed our trust in God. And guess what? We will win. Remember those words of the one who triumphed. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. And you are part of this church. I mean the universal church of God. And the devil will not, not even the hell, not even all the demons in the world can touch it. And even though further prevail against it. And at that moment, when he was almost ready to give up, and he was in complete pity and discouragement, the Lord visited him. You know, whatever your situation is today, whatever you're going through, remember, God's eye is upon you. He will visit you. And you might think, you might think, okay, I don't deserve. He is not. I am complete. I am a complete wreck. I have dishonored him. Maybe you're thinking this way. Whatever words, put them there. Whatever. One thing. One thing. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In any state in your life. In any. And he said, okay, he visited him. And you know what he did with him? With with the... with Elijah. He put him to sleep. He said he needed rest. He is thinking too much. <laughs> He's thinking. His imagination is really tracking. Kill him. I said, put him to sleep. And afterwards, he gave him a good meal. And he ate very well. And then the angel touched him. And consoled him. And he, gave, he ate, he drank, and he was fully satisfied. What a magnificent picture that our comforter is, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is there to revive us at any situation we are in. Are you discouraged? I have news for you. There is no place of discouragement in the Book of God, not for the children of God. The world loves to see us discouraged. I'm with you. 
The devil mocks at us when we sit down under the tree. But God in his infinite love puts his arms under you. And the everlasting arms are underneath. So you will not, if you fall, even you fall, you will not touch the ground. You will fall on a good mattress and a good cushion. And he will take care of you and takes you and takes you in his arms. Let me ask you a question. When he, when Elijah said, I am no good, I quit. Take my life. How many times in your, how many situations we've been in? And so many times it looks like we're against a, a dead end, against a wall. Say, oh, I wish I could die now. How many times? Did God answer this prayer? No. I wish, that's what Elijah said. Take my hand. And the Lord, when he took him, he says, Elijah, you forgot. I have a better ending for you. I have news for you, Elijah. You're not going to die. You're going to get up. You're rise. I'm going to give you some instructions. And you're going to go to serve me. And this is what he did. He gave him instructions. We'll continue sometime next time. He gave him instructions to go serve him. But the final word, the final word is for God. Elijah, you're not going to die. What happened to Elijah? Did he die? No. He said, I'll send you a chariot of fire. I'll send you my own chariot. My special limousine. And the angel will drive you all the way home to be with me. I would like to ask Elijah what happened to all these thoughts that you have thought of. What happened to the self-pity? What happened to all the discouragement? What happened to your fertile imagination that you thought everything is lost? And I am no good anymore. Take my life. And what happened to Jezebel? Oh, she has a tragic end. She couldn't even do a thing for him. What happened to Ahab? A tragic end. And who prevailed? Who prevailed? The Lord Jesus Christ. God himself. Elijah lived. And lived to continue his ministry. And to be with the people. And to have someone to take over from him, who is a great, also a great prophet, Elisha. Elisha. And he said, Elisha, okay, now I'm done. And you're not going to bury me. And suddenly the chariot came. He says, my driver has come. And I'm going in my limo. He went and he is in heaven. And we can't wait. To meet him and be with him. Let's remember this word. Let's remember this word. When Paul wrote to Timothy his son. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God. Church. For God. 
has not given us a spirit of fear or discouragement, but of power and love and a sound mind. Go and live for Christ. And whatever he offers, that devil offers any discouragement, throw it away and look at God because you are not alone and the world has not seen anything yet. Anything yet. May God bless you and be with you. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we are thankful for this opportunity. You're here to encourage us. You're with us to give us the victories. And we're not left alone, as we heard. And I pray that each and every person, whatever they are going through now, that you reveal yourself to each and every one and encourage us, Lord, as we live in this desert land. Give us a good day, each and every one. Be with us as we go home. And may you bless all the families who are not here also. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen.